This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show, Take Two. That's right. We had a technical issue. I blame Tony because we, he brings no technical ability to the show. I Again, it's ball bearings. It's all ball bearings. It's ball bearings so, and T1 lines. We were four hours into it. There so. was something called, a, a what is it, Chad? The, the SIM card? The SIM card. The SIM. It's not a SIM card. It's, a, it's an SD card. But right, the SD SIM card. SIM card in your phone. But that's okay. Let's get back to what we're talking about. So we were, you got three days left before the election comes up. Uh, and I got some stuff in the mail this week from, happened to be from the GOP, but I've gotten stuff from the Democratic Party as well. Uh, the first one says, this election is about results, not resist, or, sorry, results versus resistance. The left has become an unhinged mob committed to reverse American progress. And the other one is, vote as if America's future is at stake, because it is. And as we've said, it always is at stake. It's always at stake. I got stuff from the, the Democrats purporting different things that were not actually true. You will be sent to the opponent. camps. The, the point is, don't listen to the rhetoric. I don't care who's spouting it. And that include Donald Trump, in sure. my opinion. He, he's going to say things that, as he often does, aren't necessarily true. But as CNN pointed out, they filled 11 and a half jars of gumballs for every lie he's told since he took office. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't really know whether CNN is a trustworthy well, uh, source of determining what things are lies. You may think fake news, not fake news, your decision on that. But keep that in mind as we're talking because I think it's important for everybody to understand that. So you've got the election coming up. We want you to vote, but only if you're an informed electorate. We don't want you to vote just because yes. somebody drove you to the polls and said get out there and vote. Uh, not the MTV. There's a minimal, the minimal responsibility to be informed. Well, basically, know what's going on, know yeah. what you're voting for or against, and, and vote appropriately. But don't just vote just to click a dial or push a button or punch a card. That's not really what's helping the country. And surprisingly, in midterm elections, I believe the voter turnout is well less than 50%. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot less. Now, we'll see this year if that will happen, if that will change. But right now, it hasn't. So, Well, the other thing is in a midterm, the, the overall national voter turnout really doesn't matter as much. In other words, correct. you know— California Senate candidates who are unopposed are going to run up a 12 million person advantage <laughs> doesn't really matter. No. It matters in particular congressional districts. Are people going to come out for those? Uh, so that's why in midterms, a lot of times the national polling where you see this generic ballot, you know, Democrats leading by seven, by eight. That's really not as significant as it is during a presidential election because most of these congressional elections are local it's district by district, and the the polling is what matters in those districts. Correct. And it only matters, I mean, if it's a governor's race like we have here in Pennsylvania, it's still only statewide. Right. There's no national voting. Now, so they, I don't care they, what they, of course, California both, both parties politics. are trying to nationalize. Sure. Them. That's why it's the, the fate of civilization is at stake. Yeah, and they, and they always do that because they're trying to fundraise for whatever they're doing. So keep that in mind as you're going out there. We, we want you to vote, but we want you to vote intelligently and, and informed and leave it at that. So we also want to talk about this group of um, individuals walking north um, out of the – Some central, of them are now being bussed. Bussed or falling, gone on trucks and riding the sides of the trucks. Um, these are the – I'm not going to call them refugees because we said this off air, but refugees are usually because of war or a natural disaster. Um, 
or religious persecution, but it's not because you want to seek a better life for yourself from a monetary standpoint. Now, as Tony and I have talked many times in the past, we would do the same thing trying to get away from those things and try to get to a place where we could have a better family life. And I I think that's a lot lot of the immigrants from Europe in the 19th century to the United States were trying to do, specifically the Irish from the potato famine. They were trying to get here to get a better life for their family and feed their family. So I recognize why they're doing it. What I question is, one, how they're doing it. These people seem well-clothed. They seem to all have cell phones. Uh, they're actually filed a lawsuit against Donald Trump, right. infringing their uh, constitutional are, rights that they don't actually have. People are clearly paying money for these buses. These are not you know, yes. broken-down school buses. No, these the, are actual tour buses, tour buses <laughs> that have been – so there, there's a whole bunch going on here that, uh, call me cynical, is not, um, not organic. All right, but, Doesn't appear to be. But to your point – Yes, we, we absolutely recognize that the places that they are fleeing mm-hmm. are impoverished, mm-hmm. they, are, they have failing governments, there is rampant corruption, there is excessive crime. So these are not good places, which, which makes it understandable that they're coming here. But to your point, there is no evidence that most of these people would fit under the legal definition of what constitutes a refugee. Perhaps some of them are. Uh, perhaps right. some of them, and they can, they can make that case. The other thing we should point out is uh, you can make that case without marching up to the United States border. Yes. You can do that from other countries and seek asylum if that's what's going on. Clearly, they're not interested in doing that. And in fact, they've made it very clear they have no interest in aid and shelter from Mexico, which has been offered. And the vast <laughs> majority of them have rejected that. They have one destination in mind, and that is the United States. So I would reject anything, anyone who says I'm fleeing persecution if you were offered jobs and uh, stay in Mexico, then obviously you're coming here for another reason. And I understand that, but you were offered other places to be and you chose not to do that. So now you want to come here and bully your way. And now as I alluded to, they have a number of them. I think it's a dozen of them have filed a lawsuit again, how they filed a lawsuit when they're not actually here. Oh, they have said, right. And And what rights do they have? Uh, none, because they're not here. You can't, ha- you can't have a constitutional right in a country that doesn't have a- How can? Here's my question to the vast majority out there. How can I impinge your constitutional rights when, one, you're not a citizen of this country, and two, you're not even in this country? Oh, you can't. But, but this is, again, a commentary on there are many, many people on the sort of progressive side of the divide here are more than willing to overlook the fact that um, – Citizens of this country have rights under the Constitution. Non-citizens have certain rights under our Constitution, but they certainly don't have a right to gain automatic entry to our country uh, on some Ginsbergian theory that they uh, global human dignity. Now uh, we can. Well, we, what, isn't it the Fifth Amendment they're they're basing their lawsuit on? Which I have is, no idea. You you don't you have the right to not incriminate yourself by testifying against yourself. Right. Whatever it is. Well, I don't know what that means, but okay. W- whatever it is. I can lie to come in. That's what it means, I guess. <laughs> uh, I'm sure Sonia Sotomayor could explain the penumbras and emanations of this, of this right. But no, they, they don't have one. And so that's a farce. Um, but I think we should talk a little bit more because as Christians, this is a very um, uh, contentious is the wrong word. This is an issue that we have to think about because... As Christians, and we hear this a lot from Christians, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps who are on a, have a slightly different political perspective than Chad and I, that it is incumbent upon followers of Christ who believe in the gospel, believe in the good news, and believe in actions relating to our faith, that 
we are to shelter, we are to care for, we are to take in the dispossessed, the homeless, uh, the downtrodden. Uh, and and there's, there are clear injunctions in both the New Testament and the Old Testament mm-hmm. for this proposition. And so, Chad, I put it to you. Does that mean uh, <laughs> a Christian must support the idea uh, that people who are not citizens of this country, who have made no bones about the fact that they intend to flout existing law to get in here— is a Christian required to support their entry into this country? I, I am not a theologian, so I can't speak from that perspective, but I don't, I've not seen anything in the Bible that says I am required to allow foreign nationals to come into the country uh, in spite of the laws against that. You've talked about this many times. We are not a theocracy. The United States has never been a theocracy. Our friend Dr. Fia would agree with that. Yet we're expected to act like a theocracy from a Christian minority in this country, and I don't believe that's right either. I believe if they come in legally, they're here, we should help them, we should support them, we should help them assimilate into our country. But I don't believe coming to the border, trying to bully your way in, which I don't think is going to work, and then claiming that you have a right to be here and all Christians should just open the borders and allow it to flow through, I I don't see how that helps us. And I had this discussion with somebody tonight, and I said, again, you believe that we should allow immigrants to come here. I agree with that. The number should not be zero, but the other number is $7.5 billion. What's your number? And this person could not give me a number. Well, because they don't—that's the, that's the problem. They, a lot of them talk in generalities about this notion that Christian morality, Christian living out a life of faith— um, requires these people to be let in, and that is the question. Now, now, the other the other issue here is, okay, we have the kingdom of God, we have the kingdom of man. Mm-hmm. Um, we are citizens of a secular government. I I know that Jesus spoke a lot, a lot about what we as individuals and as Christians. You're going to quote Romans, are you, from uh, Paul? <laughs> well, no, we have we have a lot of responsibilities in, as individuals. We mm-hmm. also have responsibilities, Christ has made very explicit, as the church, mm-hmm. as the worldwide church, okay? I'm not sure how those same responsibilities um, are undertaken by a secular government. In particular, one of the points that I've made is we hear a lot about empathy and compassion, but there are two sides to that coin. And so what the people, if someone is saying that, the only Christian response here is to allow these people in because they are suffering and they are poor. What you're really saying is, and the other citizens of this country who are not necessarily Christians are going to face whatever consequences there are of that involuntary decision. In sure. other words, I don't remember Jesus saying anything about you should go and tell other people what they should do to be compassionate. And by the way, for instance, we live in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. We're not going to feel uh, much of the ramifications of allowing 7,000 or 8,000. And by the way, this is the test. These are test cases. Mm-hmm. There will be more. Yes. Okay. Let them in, They're more paying attention to whether or not. The law is enforced or not. So don't kid yourself that it's this is a one-time deal because guess what? Sadly, there are many, many countries in Central America and South America and Africa and the Mideast and, and in the Pacific. There are many, many millions upon millions of people who would also want to be here. Mm-hmm. We're blessed to live in a country Certainly. that is the richest nation in the history of the world. Sure. So the question then becomes, well, what of the people who live – at the border, 
who are exposed to now I have to preface this because we will immediately be be called fear fear mongers. Let's and I've said this before. So let's stipulate, by the way, the media continues to say that this caravan, whatever you want to call it, is predominantly women and children. Have you seen any factual basis for that claim? No, I've seen lots of pictures of men walking okay. with them. So. I think it's fair to say that we have no idea what the overall composition Maybe is. Maybe the census bureau's down there. I have out. seen many 18 to 35-year-old men, but the bottom line is the media keeps trumpeting this idea that it's women and children. And there are certainly women and children, but yes. there are a lot of other people as well. So that's a narrative. That's not actually based on any facts. That's based on wish casting because that's how they want this to appear. And you know what? Let's accept, for the sake of argument, that 98% of the people in this caravan are noble they are families who are fleeing from poverty and desperation, and all they want is a better life. And you and I have both said we mm-hmm. would do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And let's then stipulate that there are 2% of this group who represent bad people, meaning sex traffickers, uh, drug traffickers, or worse, right? Mm-hmm. MS-13. Now, by the way, if you're going to tell me, Tony, we can't even that you're saying that you're feeding into Trump. If we can't have a reality based conversation that a certain percentage of this group are undesirables, criminals, people intent on harming others, mm-hmm. then we don't exist in the same universe. If you just want to posit that all 100 percent, by the way, of any group of people, right. you take 8000 white people, Asian people, whatever. If we're going to pretend that there is no segment of that group that are going to pose problems and are going to break law and are going to commit atrocities, well, again, then then you live in a different planet than I do. Mm -hmm. The question then becomes, of those 2% that are going to be let in, if your position is they must be let in, what do we say to the families like Kate Steinle, like all the other Americans who have been victimized by illegal immigrants in this country who have committed crimes, they've committed murder? And, And again, the response to that is not, well... All, there's a whole ton of people that do that. Absolutely. But sure. the point here is, is that the policy you're advocating will guarantee a certain number of people will get in this country who will harm other people. Mm-hmm. What do we owe the American citizens who are on the wrong end of that equation in terms of compassion and empathy and an analysis of what is our Christian responsibility to them? you talking from a Christian perspective, from a secular You talk about a moral politician. perspective, but because I hear... Mm-hmm. From those who seem to suggest that there really shouldn't be any pushback on these people, I never hear about, well, what about the guy that killed Kate Steinle was a multiple felon who had been deported five different times and mm-hmm. allowed to return. Mm-hmm. Okay, And there are there are dozens and dozens and dozens of these kinds of stories. Yep. This is not about demonizing an entire group nope. of people. It's nope. the recognition that your policy choice based on your view of what Christian morality should require, what what your theology requires, will assure that certain American citizens are going to be harmed. Is that at all something that we should be considering? Because I never hear any discussion about know. that side of this equation. So let's make it personal. So in your 8,000, 2% is about 160 people, give or take, based on what we're looking at. So... Go to your children's elementary school right now, and I guarantee if you live anywhere that has a brain, there are requirements for who gets into the building and who doesn't. Take that away. Anybody who wants to walk in your children's elementary school can now get in because you said 
Everybody's good. They're just coming here. They want their kid here. They want to see their kid, whatever it is. I guarantee there's not a single Christian would say, I think that's okay. I think it's okay to let anybody into our schools just because they want to go there. Do you agree? Does anybody would say that, no, I think that's a good policy. I can't Probably think of anybody. Probably not. Well, that's what you're advocating here. You're advocating that, let's say it's 100 people. What is the, the point is, what is the limiting principle? Because in my view, if you're going to talk about it is incumbent upon Christians, um, and, and I agree with all these things in general, but remember, you explain to me then when we can stop the poor people from coming. What's the number? What, is it a number? Is it, it really becomes down to me is if I can't vet that you're not here to do harm, then I have to hold you at the border. Well, it's not I even, have to. It's not even that. Again, what you're saying is the other built-in assumption here is that our immigration laws are inhumane and wrong. Okay, not because I've read all sorts of articles comparing, yes. comparing simply enforcing the border mm-hmm. and saying, I'm sorry, there is a right way, a legal way and a non-legal way to go about this process. You have not gone about it the legal way. Correct. You're not entitled to entry. And by the way, that is consistent for any country in the world. Mm-hmm. In fact, other oh. countries are Mexico would now they've offered some, you know, aid to these people but they haven't deported them back to honduras and that's where i have a problem with our our south american central american brothers here you claim if i wanted to go to mexico they'd boot me as soon as i don't cross legally canada same thing so why are we so poor about this why do we act like oh no we're awful every one of those other countries these four thousand eight thousand people they went through guatemala honduras el salvador mexico and they weren't Put on those buses and ship back to where they came from. Why is that? Uh, you know why. Well, I do know why, but I think it's, it's ridiculous to paint us as the bad guy when you didn't do your job to keep them from getting here in the first place. But my point was that a lot of the arguments you hear from sort of progressive evangelicals is that man's law does not trump God's <clears throat> law. Okay, And so the idea that you, know, you keep saying we have to adhere to man's law, well, ultimately... Our allegiance is to Christ. Okay, I'm with you. But it begs the question, because what you're saying is, and so you believe that enforcing our immigration law is a violation of God's law. I reject that idea. As you should. We should demand, as Christians, that our immigration policy treat people compassionately. So, in other words, you know, Donald Trump is separating Children from families at the border. Okay. And we've already talked about this. This occurred under the Obama administration. There's a reason why those things were happening. But I agree we should do everything possible to prevent that situation. Okay. So what's the, so let's go back to that for a second. What's the answer to that? How do you not separate the children well, from their parents I the don't border? know. That's the point is that it's a very complicated do we, question. Do we have more border agents who can process them quicker and judges Perhaps, who can process and them And you're going to have to set up um, – some sort of area where they can stay together because the reason that these were happening is because people that were seeking asylum. Okay. Mm -hmm. We talked about this. (laughs) There are legal, there's a legal basis for how you can seek asylum. That process is extended. It takes 20, 20, actually it takes probably three, four, five months. Right. 
and federal law does not allow kids, children, to be with their parents in the environment that they are in while they're waiting for that period of time. They have to be released. So they have to be separated. Now, you might say, we can change the law. That's great. Congress can change the law. Yeah. But this was not some Trump implemented some new policy to Enforce tear. Enforce the law that existed. That was it. So, again, I am fine with trying to find a way to deal with that, but it's not a simple solution. No. But as long as we are trying to determine who legitimate refugees are and taking them in, and again, there's also a separate question of how many of those people can we take in? Mm -hmm. But let's, let's save that for another day. The idea of America taking in refugees is a good one. We should do that. We should grant people asylum. But people that are here... Simply because they are trying to get away from a terrible life, meaning an impoverished, destitute life. Those circumstances are awful. We should pray for those people. We should love them. But that should not dictate, cannot dictate mm -hmm. our immigration policy as a secular government, which owes very specific obligations to its own citizens. And that is also biblical. Yep. You're okay. Right. You're right. So a lot of the, a lot of the um, sort of cherry-picked Bible references that I hear about this are generally about the nation of Israel. Yes. Which was a well, theocratic kingdom. Yes. We don't well, live... In the, in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, yes. That's my point. Yeah. And so you hear a lot of this about what did, what did Israel have to do? What were the injunctions under the Mosaic Law? If you, The same people <laughs> that are, are saying we don't want evangelicals seeking to impose their values are basically using examples of a nation that is living under theocratic law and saying, we need to do that. Well, you're talking about two different people here. You're talking about you CNN as an example. They're using it for their usefulness politically when they, when they bring that up. When they bring up God, when they were at Jesus, when they bring up how do you treat the people, you can't talk like this, how do you support Donald Trump when he's so mean and evil versus true evangelicals who say let's open the borders because it's the right thing to do for our christian faith and the christian kingdom Are, am i right you're yeah, saying two different things right. but i would all, and i would simply prefer so we can have an honest debate say that you are in favor of open borders okay just because if if you believe that a christian must support entry for any person who comes here who is Poorer than we are, Which maybe much poorer. <laughs> More likely, if if that is the standard, then they all have to come in. Mm -hmm. Tell me which again. Tell me which ones are not allowed. You can't it, based on that theory. You can't. Right. You, they all. Have so to come in. your position ultimately has to be that Christians must support open borders, and there are people that believe that. Now, I've but heard I would prefer most of the people who I see who are mainstream who talk about this, they never want to accept the consequences, the the logical extension of what they are saying, because that is what they are saying. So I've heard two different topics here. One, I've heard one gentleman specifically I was reading this week who said there's a third option, but re refused to actually elaborate on what that third option could be well and the, okay the third options and, and look we can talk about we want to give more aid to these countries where they live and build up infrastructure of course that also requires all sorts of considerations about tax policy and all that other thing but, but they don't want us no very clear 
South America no. and Central America do not want the United States influencing their region, yet they complain that we don't give them more. And those, I'm sorry, are non-solutions because the reality is that there are going to be continuously more and more mm-hmm. people trying to come here. So the debate come on both sort of Christian grounds and also simply public policy grounds comes down to which people are not allowed to come in. Do we have a right as a sovereign country to determine who is allowed to come here and who is not. And if your position is anyone who is here, you're tired, you're poor, you're huddled masses, okay? I'm not mm-hmm. trying to make fun of these people. No, I understand. Okay? That's who they are. Mm-hmm. That's who you and I would be if we were, if we had lived where they live. Sure. We're lucky. We're blessed that we don't. Sure. For Correct. whatever reason, God chose for us to live in Pennsylvania Correct. in America. But if your answer is yes, you are required to minister to these people and allow them here, then I don't know how you can explain how anyone can be kept out. Well, if we were a theocracy, you could use that logic. But we are not a theocracy, and the rest of the world is not a theocracy. Well, take that back. The rest of the world is not a Christian theocracy. Therefore, they all enforce their borders. It's an international thing. It's not just us. The secular government has a right to enforce its borders. Now, as you said earlier, if we don't like that as evangelicals, we have the right to try to petition our lawmakers to change the laws to make open borders, if that's what we want as a group. Remember, we're, here, we're in this all together. It's not just the evangelicals get to decide who comes in. And, and the part that you have to understand this with, with these, what you call them, refugees or asylum seekers or whatever it is, this is a power grab from the Democratic Party. And you say, well, how is that? Because if you come here illegally, you don't have the right to vote, but they want to give mass citizenship to those who show up. So the more you can increase those numbers, the more people you have to vote, more than likely democratically, because you gave them the right to vote. That's their thought process. It's a power grab. It has nothing to do, because 10 years ago, Chuck Schumer was calling them illegal aliens. Now he's calling, we got to let them in. Actually, Harry Reid in 1993... I think gave a speech on the floor of the Senate where he flatly said any country who would not essentially enforce legal immigration at its borders would be insane. Mm-hmm. Now, what wound up happening to Harry is the <laughs> AFL-CIO in Nevada told him, Harry, uh, we don't like that position. You need to change it. And so then he had an epiphany about six years later and became another one of these people that says, no, 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 they must be let in. I want honesty in the public debate about this. I agree. My view is that many of the people who are saying all of these things about compassion and empathy and how horrible this is do not want to commit to what they actually believe. Just tell us that you believe open borders is the way to go. There are a whole bunch of other ramifications that stem from that, including not having a country. Correct. Now, if you're fine with that, okay. And by the way, the other dishonesty about this debate, because you're not allowed to talk about this, is there are definite downsides, huge problems that cause harm to other people. Take a look at what has gone on in Germany, mm-hmm. the Merkelization of Germany, and all throughout Europe mm-hmm. with this mass influx of mostly Muslim economic yeah. migrants. Yeah. Now, well, again, it doesn't matter if they're Muslim. It doesn't. That has nothing it, to do with I mean, Well, it does, it, it does a, point, a little but, bit. Yeah. It does a little bit because, but here's the thing. And again, the minute you say that, it's, oh, racism, bigotry, how dare you? No, no. 
if we're going to have an honest discussion, we need to look at what is happening on the ground in those cultures. Have these people assimilated? No. Has crime increased? Yes. yes. In certain countries, have have crimes against women increased? Yes. yes. And we would expect that because you are importing people who, if they are, if they believe their faith, do not think women have the same rights as other people. Right. They are often considered chattel, and so. We're not allowed to talk about any of these things. It just has to be happy, happy, joy, joy. The more people, the better. And how dare you discuss anything negative because that just means you're demonizing the other. I'm sorry. That's not true. That's just not true. Well, Governor Jerry Brown, who's currently the governor of California, was also the governor in the 70s, did not want the Vietnamese boat people coming to California. He said, we don't have enough for the ones we have. We don't want any more. The... Cuban refugees coming in the 80s, they, Cuba was sending us their mental, mentally handicapped individuals and their criminals to our shores. So there's precedent historically for people who are coming here really to cause harm that other companies are ejecting from their citizenship and, and because I they want to. Yeah, and I can't repeat this enough. Am I saying that not almost everyone. all of these people are like this? No, no, no. But if you're not willing to talk about the fact that some of them are, mm-hmm. some small, whatever you want to dial up as the percentage, we need to discuss those things because they affect actual American citizens or German citizens or Swedish citizens. And what our elites want us to do is shut up, stop being a bigot and accept (laughs) whatever we jam down your throats as an enlightened policy. And guess what? They never suffer the consequences because they live in their gated communities and will never be affected by this. That's they want the Star Trek mentality where we're one united earth. That's not so happening it's it's an interesting question. My position is, as a Christian, these people, they are children of God. They deserve humane, compassionate. They deserve to be loved. But if you're going to tell me that enforcing our border by simply insisting you need to adhere to the laws that we have established to enter this country is not consistent with biblical principles, I don't agree. Just well, don't agree. My question becomes at this point, why now? This has been the policy... For another another hundred and fifty years, another rhetorical question asked. One hundred and fifty years, and today it matters more. It didn't matter then, so even juggles didn't care then. Now they care suddenly. Maybe why didn't it? Why didn't it matter for most of Obama's two terms when he came in on all sorts of promises to deal with this? Did nothing. By the way. Did nothing when they had a su- they basically had a super, super majority. majority. They controlled why because they wanted to jam through Obamacare yeah. and they never really got around to it until he realized that his pen and phone could uh, <laughs> you know could change current immigration law. Yeah. So again, why now? You know why now? I do, but I, I asked that question anybody out I've always thought this way. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. I mean, there's probably people who did, but our politicians who are currently in power shouting the loudest did not. Hillary Clinton, Chuck Schumer. Uh, Harry Reid, Jerry Brown. These are people who said over the past decades, we don't want them, and now suddenly they all want them. So there's always – look behind the the glass. Look behind the the mirror of what you think you're seeing and see what's actually out there. So that's our – political discussion for tonight. Right. We we, We decided we were going to change it up a little. We've had enough uh, serious talk. We had a lot of good comments from last week's episode, but it it was really somber and dark. So it just – it was heavy on us. Yes. I will say that. So – Tony had a suggestion 
And I thought it was a good suggestion because I know I'm right and he's wrong and we're going to hear that. But <laughs> we, he, may, we may actually finally have a disagreement. We may. We may agree on some of this stuff. He wanted us to come up with our three favorite books, three favorite movies, and three foods. Three favorite foods that we like. And, and the best present you, present you ever got. And the best present you ever got. Yes. So Now, I didn't even write mine down. I'm not even sure I know what they are. Well, I did because I thought of I got to think did. about it. I did it five minutes before you came. Right, here. okay. So I, that's what I do. All right, so what are you doing first? Let's do and both. by the way, the point of this then is I will savagely criticize all of Chad's selections, which I know in advance are going to be The wrong. first one, you will not savage me on. Okay. What, wait, what, what category are Books. You? Books, your favorite book. Okay. Uh, you might savage me on the other ones, but you're not going to savage me on the first one. And you don't get, okay, listen, you don't get to say the Bible, okay? No, not the Bible. Okay. No, it's the, to- these are, totally these secular. Are, these are secular yep, books. Totally secular. Um, and this was a toss-up, and I, I, I want to say that up front because I, I, it was so tough for me. It was Walden by Henry David Thoreau or Lisa Grass by Walt Whitman. <laughs> no, that, that was not, yeah. that wasn't remotely something I would say. Uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. I, I know it's okay it's, it, by J.R. Tolkien. I think that is a uh, that is a worthy series. that is a worthy selection. All right, I, I'll give you that one. Okay. So wait, is that your number one, or are they in, in no particular order? They're no particular okay. order. Just three. Uh, a Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Langle. Okay, little new agey, but yeah, still pretty cool. I don't. I don't think that. I just that's yeah. That shouldn't be in the pantheon. There. So that that's, <laughs> whoa, whoa. That's, pantheon. Now we're looking at pantheon. Well, you, your top my three, three favorite. Your top three books. Okay, that shouldn't be in there. So that's wrong. Okay, and this one's. Well, out there, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh my Douglas Adams. Good. Now you've gone completely. You need some comedy. You need some comedy. That's what I'm looking All right, for. So, so my you, three you had one good selection and two ridiculous. <laughs> I knew you well, wouldn't disagree no, with one, the... one, one good one, one semi-defensible but ultimately wrong one, and then one travesty. <laughs> Give me your three. All right. So um, this is more about when I think about favorite books, I read a lot of books. And if it's anything about sports people, it's nope, already nope, out. nope, nope. It's so this is basically from consistently from my what I thought about is. What books do I go back to all the time, really from my childhood, mm-hmm. that I've enjoyed over and over and over, and even now into decrepitude, I still, <laughs> I still read. So the first book is White Fang by Jack London, possibly my all-time favorite book. To Start a Fire was better, but I'll give you White Fang. Yeah, but that's not even... Eh, it's a short story. but it's, Exactly, so but that doesn't count. It's really gripping. So you like White Fang. You're okay with I'll it. I'll White all right, Fang. So then the second one really is... <laughs> yeah, old yeller. That's right, Benji. Benji's revenge. Um, the second one is more is also along those lines. It's not really just one book, but it's uh, Rudyard Kipling's The Jungle Book and all of its related stories. I can get, I can get behind that. Yeah. That's so those are the, and I I will still I would say at least three to four times a year I will pull those out. I'll read White Fang. Okay. I'll read about Mowgli and and the Bander Log and all. It's just fantastic. Not to be confused with the movies. No, no. <laughs> actually, if you, okay. if you enjoyed the movies, you should really read yes. Rudyard Kipling's yes. all of his stories. Yes. They're amazing. Ricky Tikki Tavi, not in there? Ricky Tikki Tavi's in there. That's, oh, that's part right. of that. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys know who Ricky Tikki Tavi is? We'll, we'll have to let them look that up. Yeah, look it up. If you don't yeah. know who that is, it, it's a very it's a, it's a cartoon from the seventies that they remade for the book. But right. It's a really interesting story. So, so those were, and now the other one I'm going to pick one, sort of like your um, what did you say? Hitchhiker's Guide. To Hitchhiker's the Guide. Um, I will probably say. <laughs> Anything from the Bob Lee swagger um, okay. genre. The, Any particular the, one that stands out? Because they're all well. Actually, the same I book. should say now. Okay, if you don't know who Bob Lee swagger is, uh, this is a there's fantastic... a TV show called Shooter based upon him. It's not really as good as the books, but it's right. Not bad. These this is a character that was created by Stephen Hunter, who uh, started out as the um, longtime movie critic for first the Baltimore Sun and then the Washington Post. He's a very gifted writer, but he loves writing about heroic. 
um, gun-toting American heroes. And so Bob Lee Swagger is a good old Southern boy who just happened to be the best shooter who ever lived, except for his dad, Earl Swagger, <laughs> who was even more of a tough hombre. Um, and so he's created this entire universe of Bob Lee Swagger inflicts death on bad people. Yes. And the books are actually really, really well written. I think my favorite is actually uh, one of the Earl Swagger books, either... Oh. Uh, either Hot Springs, where he goes oh. down and takes on the Grumleys and the mob down, uh, which all of his stories are also sort of historically based. So there is um, like the historical context is accurate. And then he just makes up all the gunplay. Mm -hmm. um, so I think anything with Earl Swagger in it, probably Hot uh, Springs is probably good, good stuff. I I'll give you Hot Springs. I the part for me that starts to fall apart is when Bob Lee Swagger's like ancient and he's still racing people down in his car. Well, the one, the one I didn't really love is when he went to Japan and became oh, a, a, um, a he became as gifted as a trained samurai in about two weeks with a sword, and he yeah. battles his... So I'm like, all right, no, I'm not buying it. I didn't not like, buying I it. I didn't like the one where he, where he went to West Virginia to save his daughter from some guy running people off the road with a Yeah, that, that was rod. his, like, ode to NASCAR. That didn't yeah, work. Yeah, it didn't work for me. All right. Okay. So uh, my book choices were, of course, better than yours, but well, that's fine. I, I disagree. Good, good effort on your part. I disagree. Uh, let's do food. All right. Gravy, ketchup, mustard. There you go. Uh -huh. <laughs> no, that's no, what that's I figured. Not, my, and these are not named picture order, but they're my favorites. Okay. So you could, a pepperoni pizza. A good pepperoni Just a good pizza. pepperoni pizza? All right. I mean, that's kind you of boring. Pick your plate. That'd be boring, but... It, and, and pepperoni is not the best topping, so... Pick any meat. It's not even the best meat topping. What's your best meat topping? Sausage. Sausage okay. is clearly superior. Sausage is good. I'll okay. do sausage. So you, you will accept a sausage pizza? Anything right. with meat. You start putting the vegetables and on. And this I is traditional, a, little, a traditional pot. Yeah, thin, right? thin crust. Yep. You can go Chicago if you have to. No. Before you didn't. I nope. prefer a, a traditional New York style pizza. Correct. Filet mignon. All right. That's it. Yeah. You That'd can't be really beat filet mignon. And this is a this is a split here for me. Beef brisket, pulled pork, or pork ribs. Some sort of barbecue slathered in your favorite hot sauce or uh, barbecue sauce. It's You just can't. It's enough. And it's all meat related. I understand, but I don't care. That's yep. what I like. So... You? We're we're well we're kind of close. I mean, I picked one dessert thing, which is just oh. just a slab of New York style cheesecake. Now this is this is crucial. Mm. There can be no toppings. I oh. don't I don't want drizzle. You don't drizzle any I don't fruit or want anything. That's fruit. like a, that's I want like a condiment. For I you, want right? <laughs> a triangular wedge of cheesecake. What kind of crust? Uh, well, just the whatever, whatever the graham cracker, whatever on the bottom. Is That's it, it. Is it crushed up Oreo? Cracker? No, no, okay. no fancy French crushed okay. up Oreos. So no topping, whipped cream. No, nothing. Wow. Okay, it's just like a good omelet. You know, now I actually like omelets with stuff in them. But you know, yeah. isn't that the thing? You, you test a good chef; he's got to make a good basic omelet. Yes. Just the cheesecake. It, I mean, that's wrong, crust. but it's, no, it's your opinion. Yes, so that's cheesecake one. Cheesecake is horrible. It's it's nasty. Well, I would figure that. that you would, anyone who would put <laughs> I like cheese, but I don't want to make it in a cake. It's actually know. not made with cheese. I like, know. You think it's made out of... No, uh, it's not made out of cheese. Yes. I know that. I just don't like a cheesecake. I'm not All right, good. Fan. Then that makes me feel better, actually, about my choice. <laughs> um, second one was uh, like a good steak. Any kind of good. Yes. I don't really care what kind. Cooked. Important <laughs> yes. Cooked. cooked, medium, rare, uh, and no. Medium. I'll go medium. I'm not mm, going rare. No, that's incorrect as well. Medium, rare. That is the only <laughs> Can we acceptable. We talk about the temperature to cook it at. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course you have to. Okay. If, if you say you want a steak cooked well, what? Oh, uh, no. Those you, people should you, be deported. You, 
my father loves a steak well cooked, and I think it's it, not it a tastes steak. like shoe leather. No, it's, it's not nasty. a steak. It's so that, that's You might as well acceptable. get hamburger because you're, you're paying and, for nothing. And I would believe, even though I am uh, for a smaller government, that anyone who says that they want their steak cooked well should have a czar uh, overseeing <laughs> their eating and not allow that. them to eat it that Save way. Save the money. Yes. You don't need that. <laughs> I, am very, I am very in favor of centrally planned, proper steak cooking. Correct. And so medium rare is the only acceptable way to well, cook Well, get you dried steak. All right. And so then I was wrestling with my... Um, my third one, it would have to be basically any kind of pasta dish because I love pasta. Uh, yeah. pa- what kind, any, like, well, I mean, with red sauce, white sauce, no sauce, probably, probably some kind of red sauce. But okay. I mean, it, it could be and it meat has to in be, the sauce, huh? Yeah, sure, meat's okay. fine. Okay. Yeah. So any kind of very, very, you, know, you can put seafood in it, whatever. Just any kind of pasta. I like a penne with meat sauce. With sausage and chicken in it. There you go. That's, That's a perfect. Good mix. It's easy to make. It's yep. not hard. It's rustic. Can do... It's rustic. It is. Dish. It used to be one restaurant locally that made it, and they went out of business. So but... we're both very boring because no one picked, you know, foie gras or why would anyone want foie gras? Baked Alaska. Why would I? I don't want to bake Alaska. Now I also almost put funnel cake on there. That was number four. It's a good one. That is. It's a good one. I don't know if it's one of the best foods ever made. It's good. What? What? Powdered sugar? Or are you putting other stuff? on This is again crucial. Powdered sugar only. Any okay. other topping on funnel cake against God's plan. And you will be sent to Gitmo. Then it's an elephant ear, and it's got pudding on. When you start putting pudding on, it's well. I've seen them; they're putting like peanut butter. Like no, that's not. It's the funnel cake, sifted powder, sugar. The end. Okay. No further discussion. The debate is over. That's fair. I'll give you that. All right. What's next? Movies. Okay. Now this is another difficult one. Go ahead. No particular order. Okay. Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, No, you cannot pick the movie for your book. No, no, no. I didn't pick the whole trilogy. I only like the Fellowship of the Ring. The other two got boring. Well, all and right. Little Genesis you know now, five will, on me. I will give you. I will give you this that I agree with you that I think clearly the best movie and the Hobbit should not have been three movies. That's ridiculous. I mean, I thought all of those movies were good, but yeah. clearly this the most the superior movie was the first one. I mean, it was great. That's what I'm saying. Okay, but it's still the same as your book. So that you didn't say I couldn't pick just, the same. I'm stuff. sorry. The rules like the now are that that's, like. that's disqualified. Well, we're going to move on with my list. Die Hard. My favorite Christmas okay. movie. My favorite Christmas yeah, movie. Yeah, uh, Die Hard is a classic. Um, it's too bad um, Alan Rickman ha- has gone. That's yes. The, the, the Hans Gruber, one of the best villains of all time. Yes. His cousin or brother in the third one was not nearly as diabolical getting gold. No, was nobody crazy. was as good as the original Hans Gruber. No. What, what was the scene when he comes down and after, unfortunately, he has killed Mr. Takagi <laughs> and he says something along the lines of, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, uh, unfortunately, Mr. Takagi will not be with us for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, he, he, was good a, movie. he was a very good villain. Good movie. Uh, my last one, Star Wars A New Hope Episode 4. Oh, for crying out loud. And here's why. I have great memories of seeing that movie with my father and my brother, and it changed sci-fi for me because that was my first real foray into sci-fi. So I, know, I recognize it's not so the greatest went, written movie. You went not for the, the greatest... reboot? No, the fourth one. The, fir- the first one that came out was Episode oh. 4. Oh, see, I don't. Luke I don't Skywalker, New Hope, the whole George Lucas, the thing first where, one. Okay, Let's so call that one wait, I have to reorient my thinking. So the fourth one is actually the first one, and then Correct. he did the first three, which are horrifically bad. Correct. And then we have all the new reboots. Okay, not the first three um, that he did in the the two thousands, late late nineties. All right, you crap. know what? That's actually a legitimate selection, and it's just a. It, no, that's a legitimate selection. It, it changed how I viewed sci fi from that point forward. So that's important to me. You. Um. Aliens is definitely uh, yeah, in the top Not to three. be used with Alien, which was crap. No, it's not crap. Oh. It's not as good. I mean, it's a different movie. Alien oh. is basically a haunted house movie in space. Ridley Scott directed good Alien. Good movie. Good movie. Um, I agree with that. Very, well, so why are you saying it was crap? No, no. Alien was crap. 
No, that's the thing. No. Alien no. is Ridley Scott. I, Aliens is James Cameron. James Cameron did a much better run. Ridley Scott it's was totally okay. different styles. Not a good movie. This, the, the special effects in Alien were garbage. I know um, it was the you, 70s. You know when the movie was made, I know made, when it was correct. made. Were they garbage for the time, or are they garbage now, they 40 garbage for the years time. later? They were just, it was just no, a, no. Here's what I would say. Aliens required you to have thousands of these aliens. So you're, you're just impressed with the... Uh, what, no, like, I'm just saying that they couldn't take the special out... special effects? No, no, they couldn't take out one alien in the original, but they were able to take out thousands seven years later No, somehow. not thousands. Well... More than that's one. A, that's completely incorrect. More than one. You, you are, you are <laughs> blaspheming on Paul Reiser levels. was in Aliens. Look, the point is, Alien is a good movie. John Connor was in Aliens. John Connor? The guy who played John Connor in Terminator? Oh, yeah, Michael Bean. Yeah, he was the, I know. He was the lead I know. sergeant, I guess. Um, Aliens is better. Aliens is basically a war movie in space. And it's awesome. It's unrelenting. Awesome it really is a great movie. James Cameron, who is kind of a putz, I shouldn't say that, um, he is someone whose opinions that I respectfully disagree with on many, <laughs> many issues. However, he is an incredibly gifted filmmaker. Now, uh, I will accept, uh, what's the movie with the uh, blue people flying dragons? Avatar. And the giant tree. Avatar. Yes, Avatar, yes. Yeah, not, not good. Not good. Uh, but Aliens, We're going to get sequels coming out next year. Aliens is phenomenal. Um, now, it's not a kid's movie no. uh, because the aliens are unpleasant and no, they, no, 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 uh, no. they gestate inside human hosts and they burst out and then they turn into like these eight-foot uh, killing machines that have... H.R. Uh, Giger, a very disturbed man, uh, is the one that actually <laughs> came up with the aliens. And I have to say, one of the more um, horrifically effective uh, yeah. ideas for See, what, the, the... what a ruthless... Alien killing machine would look like he they hit should have the, nail stopped the, the series there. But there's so many good performances in Aliens because there's I mean there's Michael Bean, there's Bill Paxton, the late Bill Paxton. Yes. Game over, man. Game <laughs> over. Uh, and th the last hour of the movie, I'll never forget this. I read Roger Ebert's review at the time, mm -hmm. and he basically said the movie was tremendous, uh, a technical masterpiece. But it actually made him feel bad because when he left the movie, no, when he left the movie theater, he felt wrung out and disturbed because the last hour is just unrelenting. Yeah, try no to survive. The aliens no are trying, and poor Ripley, Sigour and Sigourney Weaver is great. Sigourney Weaver is the perfect heroine in these movies. Uh, in that movie. In that movie, right. The one before and the one no, after. No, we're, we're pretending uh, the next one's never happened. So it, yeah. at Aliens, it ended. <laughs> it ended. Never went beyond that. Like Superman 2 ended the Superman franchise. Right. So now I couldn't decide on my third one. I, I think um, I'll probably have to say Saving Private Ryan. The opening sequence of Saving Private Ryan, I will agree with. Yeah, I like the whole thing. Um, it's not a bad movie. It just Well, the opening sequence is possibly the most um, stunning and affecting thing that I've ever seen in a movie theater, particularly, and again, this is from someone, obviously, I have read that there are men uh, who served our country in that war who went to see that movie and were, you know, they were moved to tears. Mm -hmm. um, it is his ability to recreate the horror of what it must have been like on those beaches yeah. is unlike, at the time, it was unlike anything that I think anyone had ever seen. I don't know if it's been duplicated no. anywhere else no. since then i i would agree it, with you it that. actually so i don't agree, disagree with your it, it makes me feel very um you you watch that movie and you have to question yourself about could i have done what those mm. men did that would be because hard. it hammers home to you the fact like 
if you haven't seen Saving Private Ryan, um, it's the it's the D-Day invasion on the beaches mm-hmm. of Normandy. And he puts you there. And one of the first things that happens is uh, they're in the Higgins boats. OK. And these guys, you know, these 19, 20, 21 year old men. I don't know if you know how a Higgins boat works, but basically it has a drawbridge on the front. You hit the beach, the drawbridge comes down. Well, where they're landing, there are German machine gun nests that are zeroed in. And literally the first 10, 20 guys off of those boats are basically cannon fodder. Mm -hmm. They are being pincushioned by the zipper guns as they get off. And you're thinking to yourself, could I have stood in that boat Mm -mm. and done that? Um, If they put you in the front... You load the boats. You're up front. Now, remember, these things are not great in the sea. Now, it's English Channel, so it's not technically the sea, but it's really choppy. It's a bad weather, and these things are ungainly, barely seaworthy, and you know you're put in the front, and you know how that door comes down, and you're pretty sure the Germans are going to start shooting as soon as the door's open. How would you feel about that? Yeah. I mean, um, you know I'm probably going to get shot. It's an, ama- it's, an amazing, right it's an amazing level of courage. Yeah. Um, it, it, anyone who watches that, who is at all honest with themselves, has to say, could I have done it? Um, I don't know. Obviously, as a Christian, the only way I could have done it is is with, with the grace of God allowing me to do that. Yeah. But it makes you, I think, I felt an incredible sense of, of gratitude and sort of mm-hmm. abject humility about what those men did. Yeah. No kidding. No question. Uh, we should add TV shows. We didn't talk about TV Oh, we can do TV. I'll let you go first. Three, three favorite um, TV shows. All right. Well, now are we doing like any kind of TV show? Any show that was see, more than one episode on any platform. Oh. Not just network. Any platform since 1949, I guess. Johnny Sacco and his giant robot. Oh, no, I, I like that when I was... Uh... <laughs> Johnny Sacco. You know what? Show. Now, my, here's the thing. My <laughs> wife hates this show. But I actually think it's one of the funniest and most well-written shows that have ever been on TV, and that is The Simpsons. I don't like The Simpsons. Oh, I love The Simpsons. It's okay, but I don't, I don't think it's nearly as funny as other people think it is. I think it... Oh, that's because you have poor taste in television. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sound like it is, Tony. That's right. As my wife always says, your opinion does not mean it's true. Well, what do you mean? <laughs> it's your opinion. Yes, yes it does. Exactly. So, all right, that was my. I, I really do like The Simpsons. What, what? Okay, you think of a television show from the Earth to the Moon, the 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 NASA story for. Wait, well, was that a? That was just a ten part, ten part miniseries. That doesn't count. That's not a television show. That's just like a. That's a miniseries. Well, ten episodes. No, you might as well say Lonesome Dove. That doesn't count. Oh, I, I would not say Lonesome Dove or Shogun or whatever. I would not say Shogun either. No, it has to be a recurring television how many show. Se- how many seasons does it have to have? Because that was one season. Some shows have one season. No, that doesn't count. Because that's more like a that's more like a documentary kind of thing, right? Oh well, I mean, you might as well pick something on the History Channel that's the you know on World no, War Two. No, that's not the or, same thing. Yes, it is. It was dramatically like, recreated you know, I could with say, stars. I could say Band of Brothers, then, right? You, you could. Well, see, all right, but then that's not a show because I would say Band of Brothers. I might even say The Wire. Like HBO has produced some really good well, stuff. The, the Wire is a series. Okay, well, that went for five years. Okay. I think if it went at least one season, it's a series. Okay. Whether well, it went for another, I mean, I don't think there was plans for another season. You violated the rules, of the unspoken rules again, but we'll allow <laughs> the it. The unspoken rules What's we didn't talk one? about beforehand. What's the next one? My second one. <sighs> that's, a t- that's a tough one, and and it's not politically correct today, but I really enjoyed the Dukes of Hazard when it oh, was on. Oh, you did? Yeah. When it was on. I, looking back on it, it's a little cheesy, but All I right. was not old then. So. Right. You know what I will go with? Because we'll, we'll go retro, nostalgia. 
The Incredible Hulk with like Lou Ferrigno I like and his purple too. jeans <laughs> that never ripped. They, never, they were ripped up to the knee, and that right. was it. And, and plus, what and I the love, because I was a kid, and it was so melancholy oh, yeah. at the end of every episode, because poor, is it David Banner? <laughs> yeah. Poor David Banner, just alone, you know, yeah. after an accidental <laughs> overdose of gamma radiation altered his body chemistry. And now he, he tries to help people as the Hulk, but then he's, he has to wander away. You wouldn't alone. like me when I'm angry. Yes. Don't see? make me angry. You wouldn't right. like me. So, th- I mean, that, that really got to me. It chokes you up. Poor good David show. Banner, wandering, wandering the nation, well, yeah. trying to do good and control the raging spirit that dwells within him. Oh, nice. The that yeah. is the opening. I like that. Wow, he did like the Incredible Hulk. My last one would be The Twilight Zone. That's original. Good. The original, yeah, the original 50s Twilight Zone is good. The 60s. Um, just, I know it was an anthology series, so there, there was some, some actors that came back for different episodes, but it always made you think. You didn't always agree with the outcome, but you always made you think. And the, the one that really sticks with me is, and I, I don't remember who the actors or actresses were, it's a, a snowstorm outside. The world is cooling, and there's a lady in bed, and she's got a fever, and they're trying to keep her comfortable and in her dream it's sweltering out and the the world is burning up just just the juxtaposition i just i just sticks in my head is yeah uh, but what was she making the weather or something what she the... wasn't making the weather but she went to her happy place which was it's so cold outside i'll go to my happy place where it's warm outside but the the idea was that your happy place is also a dangerous place as well so it just stuck in my mind but it, it was always interesting to me Third one for you? Hmm. Well, I kind of said The Wire and Band of Brothers because the, I love okay. both of those. They're both. Um, and The Hulk. I'm trying to think. Is there anything else uh, that sticks out to me? Not The Pacific. It wasn't as good as Band of Brothers, personally. No, it wasn't. It was okay, good. but Band it wasn't Brother, as good. Band of Brothers was tremendous. Yes. Um, I don't know. I'll circle back. I, I, I've never really been a huge, like, you know, the TV guy. I, I watch TV for sports. Sure. Um, history documentaries. Sure. I really never got into a lot of... No mash or cheers no, or Seinfeld. No. I mean, I I like Seinfeld. I mean, I, most people did. If you have, yeah, if you like that kind of humor, yeah. I don't know. I'll, okay. to, I'll think about that. Okay. All right. So now, best present you ever received. Wow. Now it doesn't have to be like anything, like any, because the one thing that I thought of, well, I'll tell you after you go. But well, mine's a, the first thing. It could called, be an experience. Could okay. Be experience it doesn't have to some, be that somebody gave you yes, an experience they yes. gave you. I think my – I have two, and one – I'll give you the cheesy one first. Is the birth of my daughter. And I know that's – Okay, again, that, does, that doesn't count. That's a given. But it's a gift. I, I didn't it know. is. I mean, I was, I was older when I had my daughter. I wasn't, I wasn't in my early 20s like a lot of people. Uh, so I wasn't sure if I was ever going to have a child, and, and I was shocked and amazed and surprised and thrilled and happy and everything at the same time. So that's, that's, a, that's one of the greatest gifts. Uh, but I – that's a cheat. Okay, what's well, the next? <laughs> so when I was 10, uh, my mother had a conference in Arizona, and I'd never never really been away from home. We'd never really flown there. We didn't have the money. So we all got to go to Arizona. We also got to go to Disneyland. It's the only time I've been to Disneyland. And it was just a magical experience because it's stuff you'd seen on TV and heard about. But just getting to go through the desert, we took a horse ride through the desert, got to tour. We went up to a house that was for sale and asked if we could take a look around. We were not buying it. We just were from out of the state, and we wanted to see what the house looked like. Just being out there and being – it was February, and it was cold back here, and it was really warm and nice there. And it was just – it was a wonderful experience with my family, and I remember that to this day, um, going to the Grand Canyon. Just to – we mashed a lot of things together. It was a great trip. Mm-hmm. In, in hindsight, it was a great trip. So I like those. Yeah. 
experience. I mean, those are all experience. I don't have anything to show from it. I picture. Um, so mine, mine is a very specific thing. When I when I was sixteen, fifteen or sixteen, my parents surprised me, and my parents really couldn't afford to do this. Uh, they surprised me with a trip to Chicago to go to the NBA All Star Game. Oh. Now. This is when Michael Jordan was playing for the Bulls. Michael Jordan was my all-time favorite athlete, and it was at the old Chicago Stadium. And not only did we go to the All-Star game, because my dad apparently had a connection with an NBA referee. Nice. So we had the VIP tickets. And so when you go to the NBA All-Star game, you, there's NBA Friday night, which is some... Back then, it was basically the dunk contest and three-point shooting. Okay. Actually, Saturday night. It was two days. And so... We got to go to that, and we were sitting at the stadium with all the NBA people. Nice. Because, so, literally in our row, because a lot of times the players who are in town will come and watch. They would watch a dunk contest. They watch a three-point yeah. contest. So, in our row was Patrick Ewing, like okay. five seats away. Mike Fratello, coach of the Hawks, right in front of us. Like there was, and I'm just kind of, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. this is unbelievable. And so, it was possibly the best All-Star game ever. I don't know if you remember this. You weren't a big mm. NBA guy. Mm. Larry Bird was still in the league. Well, the 80s, right? Yeah, the 80s. So, I mean, Larry Bird's in his prime. Larry Bird um, had won the three-point contest the year before. He was the defending champion. He wins this one. He gets down to the last ball on the last rack. If people don't know the three-point contest, they do a circle, basically, with five racks of balls, and you got to shoot them in within a minute, whoever makes the most. And the last ball that you shoot is called the money ball. It's multicolored, and it counts for two points. Larry Bird makes it to the final. I forget who it was against. He's down one on his last ball. And the iconic image is, and you can watch this on YouTube, mm -hmm. he launches the last shot as the clock is winding down, and he is walking off the court with his finger in the air I held up before that. the ball even goes into the... He's not even watching the flight of the ball yeah. as it swishes through. That's classic Larry Bird. Yeah. This is also the All-Star game where Michael Jordan won the dunk, dunk contest against Dominique Wilkins, the best dunk contest ever, mm -hmm. and he won it by taking off from the foul line and dunking at the end. And remember, this is in Chicago Stadium, so the place is going bonkers, and then the next day, Jordan won the All-Star game MVP. Greatest trip ever. I still, I still have my <laughs> tickets. I still have all the stuff. Um, nice. And I also remember that that winter when we went, because it's in the winter, it's like February. Yeah. It was so cold in Chicago, <laughs> the wind is. blowing off the lake. No, literally, that we were wearing hotel towels over our faces <laughs> as we there. ran. No, no, as we ran from the hotel door to the cab, and then the cab to anywhere you were going. It was that cold. I think it was like thirty or forty below windshield. It makes you think. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't want to live here no. in the winter. I don't remember where the old. Uh Chicago Stadium was. Where was it was in, in a not so good part of town. Yeah, I remember that part, but I don't remember where it was in relation to Soldier. I don't know. I don't know Chicago well enough, and I can't remember. Okay. But yeah, if you were at the stadium, let's say an hour after the game was done, you don't want to be down there. So you get out, right? Get and that's why Dodge. they eventually went to the United Center. But okay. it, there, the stadium had an ambiance that no other new arena could duplicate. True. True. It was sort of like the old Boston Garden. Yes. Now that well, then became the Fleet Center, and I don't know what it's called now. It doesn't matter. So, wind up that we've got a good mix there. Wind up with a little sports because yes. we need to talk. So, we were both wrong on who would get fired first from the NFL. Who do we even say? I forget. Well, I thought it would be Jason Garrett. I don't know who you said. I thought it was Jason Garrett, but it turned out to be Hugh Jackson. Who did I say? Are you sure I didn't say Hugh Jackson? 
You might have. I don't know. I don't know. Listeners, check us on that because I don't remember. I know I said Jason Garrett. I think we all dismissed Hugh Jackson as because he was one in thirty-one right, it's like coming never in. Fire him. Well, you're never going to get rid of this guy because he's one in thirty-one. You I won. I won him. two games this year. I doubled my wins. Yes. You got the second worst winning percentage in the history of the NFL. Well, the reason he got fired, apparently, is because he and Haley couldn't get along. They were both bickering. Shocking. So they fired them both. Yes, shocking. I know. From from a Steelers guy, that is shocking, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Haley couldn't get along with people. Couldn't believe that. Never never saw that one coming. Uh, so is Joey Bosa ever going to play again? Uh, I don't know. He's, I mean, they said he was on the cusp last week, but I don't think he played. He's not, he's not playing this week. They said he could be out for significant time again. I'm just hoping he returns for some portion of the season. Well, that might be important for the, for the stretch run. It's, if they just, can make the it's just amazing with the Chargers. It's like there's always some ridiculous key injury. I mean, this guy is the best player on their team, not named Phillip Rivers, and he's probably... Philip Rivers is the most important guy on the team. If Philip Rivers goes down, the entire team is a yeah, dumpster it's over. fire. It's over. <laughs> um, but Joey Bosa is probably the second most important guy on the team, and he's a terror. He would make such a difference in their and their defense is kind of rounding into like form now. They're still, you know, they're not dominant, but they've been playing better. And you put him in there, he makes everyone better. Mm-hmm. Makes Mel- Melvin Ingram. You can't double him. It makes their secondary better. If he can come back with even, let's say, four or five games to go and they can kind of keep holding it together, because the end of their season, their schedule is brutal. Yeah. Their next four games, they should win three of them, mm-hmm. and then they roll into, like, it's the death march. It's, it's gonna be tough. So they need him back. Yeah, they got another game against uh, the Chiefs. They play, too, well, they, they? they do. Yeah. They, play, they play the Steelers. Yeah. Um, they've got a bunch of hard games coming up. And they're actually, they play Seattle tomorrow. Seattle's no joke. Yeah. They've, they've kind of figured some things out there. They're and they're playing at Seattle. They're better than we thought. I think they've won. Have they won maybe four in a row? I, I think they have. I think yeah. they're better than they're, we gave them credit they're for. They're playing very well. Uh, the well, Ra- their offense was so putrid last year. Somehow they figured that out. Yeah, they got better. The Raiders are apparently trying to get the number one pick uh, because they're doing everything they can to get rid of anybody with any talent, including today they got rid of a defensive tackle. Well, this last game was just an embarrassment. I mean, they, they did, just did they play? I didn't even see them play. They I didn't saw, come on the field. I thought uh, those 49ers played. It was yeah. against themselves. It against was a scrimmage. The, the walk-on, or not the walk-on, the uh, undrafted free agent quarterback, third-string yeah. quarterback who looked like Joe. Third-string quarterback. Yeah, it looked like Joe Mon- No, he looked like Joe Montana. Are you kidding me? I know. He His did first look good. NFL start, 16 for 22. To be fair, he was playing the Raiders. That's my point. <laughs> That's my point. They just they just gave well, up. They, they get rid of the defensive tackle today. They're going to release him, who is their number one uh, and, and Chucky is still talking about, you know, we're, we're not that far away. Well, really? He, I think he's stockpiling draft picks. Okay, you better, better get it right. You better pick some really good talent because he's getting rid of anything that was any. Of, I don't. Of I don't know that you're going to find Khalil Mack. Well, probably not. But David Carr's probably going to be gone. I mean, it's a complete. It's a complete teardown. Maybe Hugh Jackson would like to take over and see what he can. By do. By the way, um, I'm still looking pretty good for my Steelers are going to win ten games prediction. Well, they did beat the Browns, yes. and that is the sixth coach that's been fired after their game with the Browns or against the Steelers. Uh, Last six coaches have been fired after the game against the How Steelers. many games do you think they're going to win? Now, I shouldn't say, actually, have they played eight games? They have played eight games. All right, so they're what, 4-3-1? and one? Uh, I believe so, yes. All right, so technically I'm not on pace because it really behind. translates to an eight-win yeah. eight season, essentially, even though that tie kind of yeah, messes, messes things, things up, up, like eight- or nine-win season. So yeah. they do have to pick it up by one game. I still think they're going to win ten games. But they played their Browns games. So that was usually a given win, two wins every year, and now they've only got one, 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 oh, and one on that. I think 
I think they could win ten games. I'll, I'll stipulate that I think you're probably right on that. But I, I the Le'Veon Bell thing is still not resolved. Trade deadline has passed. He still hasn't reported. He's not going to play this week. The Steelers have an option to give a two week uh, hold on him coming back, which means he would not be eligible for free agency next year. Yeah, that, uh, that seems that like this has been is... under w- poorly played. Well, the, the other thing is Connor. If you just look on paper, now obviously he's not as good as Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. He has basically been statistically 93% he's, of Le'Veon Bell. He's pretty Bell. close to the numbers. He is not the same runner. He is not the same elusive back that Bell is. But we don't know what Bell would be this year because by the time he gets back, he may not even be you know, in shape he's to getting, do anything. He's getting Wally pipped. He's, <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> <laughs> he's not Lou Gehrig. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but... So we, we've got some good stuff going on in the NFL. I I heard that Penn State played a football game today. Oh I didn't see that. I didn't see anything. Now again, I, are, are you saying that because you think I'm a Penn State fan? No. Okay. I'm just saying I mean, that for I, our Penn I State fans out there. I don't root against Penn State. But well, I do I'm when very... they play Michigan. <laughs> and they well, played Michigan today. So here's the thing. <laughs> um, some people may owe Jim Harbaugh an apology because I, I think I've been one of the people that said, leading up to this season, mm, yeah, what have you done for us, Jim? Because well, up to the season, he has done nothing. And to be fair... So far, he hasn't won anything. No, that's right. But so I'll tell you it's what. it's not over yet. They're, they're trending in the right direction. They, are they look right direction. like they are the best team in the Big Ten. It was 14 nothing at halftime. I wasn't – they were dominating Penn State. I mean, it, it was domination, well, time of possession, everything. Well, the other thing everything. is, my understanding is McSorley was kind of hobbled. Uh, that, that hurt them. You mean, he, you mean Trist McSorley, as he kept being called, even though his name was Trace? <laughs> Who called him Trist? One of the announcers. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, like, uh, he said it like three times. Around, but like, his he was wearing. He he tweaked his knee last week. He was wearing a knee yeah, brace. But he ran for a fifty-nine yard touchdown last week after tweaking his knee. Yeah. So don't tell me he was unable to walk. Well, okay, I'm not saying he's unable to walk, but if you're wearing a knee brace, then you're there's something wrong with your well, knee. And here's what came home to roost: they have no other running game. No, that's true. And his passes were inaccurate. And it could be because he couldn't play it correctly. Well, look, it's certainly possible. Michigan has a great defense. I mean, that's they the do. problem. They and, do. and he made know, him look bad. He made him look bad. He was 5 for 13 for 83 yards and one interception. Well, but here's the thing. What does that tell you? He only threw 13 passes. I mean, they were on the field much. That's what it tells you. No, they were so, not on the field a whole so lot. So, any starting quarterback of his talent who only throws 13 passes tells you that Michigan is chewing up the clock yes, and dominating time of possession. I mean, I was a little concerned when it was 14 nothing at halftime and Michigan was dominating and had not scored more points. They came on hard in the second half and got some defensive stops and a pick six so it, it worked out well but by the way do we know at this moment what the alabama lsu score was or is i don't know because uh, we can look as we're uh, i, I assume i do Al- not know i mean i saw it was six nothing uh early in the first quarter so it'll th- that was the uh sort of the game of the day let's see chad well, is checking I, I disagree that it was the game of the day 22 nothing alabama yeah. fourth quarter 12 that, that sounds exactly correct the uh the problem with LSU, as always, is that they have a tremendous defense. Because, listen, holding Alabama to 22 points, that's, great. that's like holding everyone else to negative points. But you got no But they offense. can't score. And yeah. the reason they can't score is because they can't throw the ball, and they've never been able to throw the ball. I don't understand that. Well, I'll give you the rundown of LSU scoring. Zero in the first, zero in the second, zero in the third, and currently zero in the yes. fourth. So that adds up to zero, as, yeah. I, as I understand my math. Uh, that would mean... Michigan should move up into the top four, which means they should be, you know, championship eligible. Well, they got to play Ohio changes. State, right? They got they got three more games to play: Rutgers, Maryland, and Ohio State. Well, they'll kill and Rutgers in the Big Ten championship. Should they? Represent. So basically, Ohio State now is the season for them. 
Um, Pretty much. Because guess what? Well, the Big Ten Championship. They don't win the Big Ten Championship. They may not make the no, – they they've already got one loss. Yeah, that's true. If so. they beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten Championship, they have to be in the final. Well, game. as the announcer said, and I agree, uh, Michigan has – they don't have to look behind them. They have to look ahead of them. They have to win everything ahead of them, and then they should be right. in the well, championship Well, and they also have to, they have to continue to hope that Notre Dame goes unbeaten. Because yes. that's that's their only loss. Yes. So and Notre Dame is going to be a playoff team if they win out. Well, Notre Dame's playing Northwestern, so I don't think that'll be a problem tonight. Yes. But it was a problem. It was tough for Ohio State. We've got some good college football. We've got some good NFL to speak of. Um, I didn't bring this up, but I thought we should. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers fired their head coach after six games. Tyron Lou. They seemed shocked that the coach that took them to a championship and two playoff or two finals appearances. After six games, he was not the man for the job. Right. Well, you know what? He's laughing all the way to the bank. Yes. He wants out of there anyway. I yes. mean, they did him a favor. So right. I don't know what his, you know, whatever his contract is. He's going to be getting paid tens of millions of dollars. And so he can go. If I was the Indians coach, though, I'd be looking over my shoulder. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not a good time to be a, a coach or head, head man in uh, Cleveland. And look, I'm not really all that convinced that Tyron Lue is, uh, I mean, yes, he had LeBron James. Uh, but look, the reality is he won. He yeah. won a title for them. Well, so I would say this. I think Tyron Lue was in a good situation for Tyron Lue. I don't know if we've seen if he's a good coach or not yet because of who he added on his team. You put him somewhere else and he can duplicate or at least equal that success, then maybe you could say he's a good coach. Until then, it was the player at the right time, and he just happened to be the guy in charge. Well, they did him a favor. Yeah. So I just think it was laughable that they thought he was going to have a great team when he had nobody. Yeah. Kevin Love is hurt, hasn't played, surgery. What did you expect? There's nobody on the team. Uh, Again, I don't know. Dan Gilbert is notoriously uh, a little yeah. volatile. Championships like are bust. Championships are bust. So that's all I got, Tony. Anything you wanted to? I think we've, uh, we've rail done, on, rail we've against, done rail on. Okay. So your your I would grade your book, movie, television list as <laughs> charitably food? on a cur- your your food list uh, uh, like a, a high C. Uh, a was, high yeah. C. I like high C. Yeah, the orange high C. Is that what the astronauts had? <laughs> no, that was Tang. Tang. That's right. <laughs> I like the, the, Ru- the Russian astronauts had high C. Yes, it was pressurized though. Uh-huh. That's why they had problems in space. Yeah. So you, you, I mean, you, um, it was a, um, it was a mediocre performance. Mediocre <laughs> performance. Uh, my, mine was better. I um, give you a solid B. I don't know if okay. I give myself only a high C. No, we but... can't. Yeah, we can't really give give out A's because we like to be tough graders on our. Well, side. that's fair. You don't even give me a B, huh? Um, no, you know why? Because Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Come on, that, that, that's the po- not the movie. No, that's the that's the poison pill that killed it for you. I'm not sorry. Not the movie. I the just book. can't. I can't in good conscience allow that. Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency? Yeah, no. no worse? No, Encyclopedia Brown? Yeah, I don't, I don't whoa, know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They'll, they'll be talking about EC. <laughs> <laughs> or EB, sorry. Encyclopedia Brown. I had every book from Encyclopedia Brown. I was expecting you to say something like Jane Eyre oh, or please, Rebecca. Please, yeah. So, I'll tell you this quickly. I went away to college. I kept, kept all those Encyclopedia Brown books because I liked them. Not, not as an adult, but I thought I might pass them on to my children someday. Yeah. So I go away to college, and my parents decide they're going to have a yard sale, and they oh. sell all of my books. And I go, "What did you do?" And you know what? They didn't even ask me; they just did it. If you took, um, if you took that now to uh, like Antiques Roadshow, they're worth seven million dollars. Well, I had hardcover versions. Or you take them to Pawn Stars. Oh yeah, probably make something right. Yeah. The original, you probably they were probably signed. Who wrote those books? Oh, who was that? I can't remember now. Jeez. So I never was an Encyclopedia Brown guy. You so. just didn't like him, or you yeah. just felt inferior? No, no, I felt <laughs> superior. That's why I didn't like him. I'm Chad's sorry. now checking to see who the author was of the. Uh, we're, we're, again, it, it, we're doing uh, moment by moment updates here on all. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's what we. Come do on, here. hurry up! I'm trying. I don't see you pulling anything out. There we go. 
Come on, come on, come on. Uh, oh, for crying out loud. It doesn't even matter. Just trying to hold up here. Lewis Carroll. Jeez, not Lewis Carroll. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, that, that was, uh, that's when he was slumming. Come on. It won't show me the author here. That's ridiculous. Maybe it's, maybe it's a mystery. Donald J. Sobel. I would have never guessed that in a million years. I don't even think I've even heard of him. He wrote the Encyclopedia Rats. <laughs> Donald J. Sobel. So he also did some um, uh, 10-minute mysteries books they were for young adult. They weren't adult necessarily. Um, but I enjoyed, I enjoyed Encyclopedia Brown. My daughter enjoys them. Believe hmm. it or not. I, I, I went and repurchased them all so that she could read them. I, I, tried, to get, I tried to get my daughter to uh, read our, my uh, Nancy Drew collection uh, that my uh, mom had. And no. Uh, Nancy Drew. Yeah, they've been handed down. My, my grandma had them, then my Na- mom Nancy had them. Nancy Drew. Yes, we have the Hardy. Not, not Hardy Boys. Nancy we, Drew. We have Har- I have my Do, own. Were Hardy they all in boys. that blue? The, the yep. Hardy Boys in the blue and the, yellow yes, covers. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, everybody had. So I saved them. I saved them specifically because if I had a daughter, oh, we can enjoy. Nancy Did your Drew. boys enjoy the Hardy nope, Boys? Nope, they don't. The Hardy Boys are not cool. <laughs> not even the TV show. No, and actually, we, we we used to read them at night, and yeah. boy, the writing is not so good. Doesn't hold up, does no, it? No. Yeah, Encyclopedia no. Brown's a little simplistic as well. I don't yeah. disagree with that. So we'll leave it at that. You got your laugh out of all of us. Thank you. Enjoy. Have fun with that. Let us know if you want more uh, Please let non-political Chad, let stuff. let Chad know that all of his food, book, and movie selections are um, not good. And let, let Well, Tony, except for J.R. Tolkien. That's good. <laughs> and let Tony know that condiments are okay. It's okay to have yes. a condiment. And then we will, uh, we will block you on Twitter. I won't block you. I'm not not on Twitter. I'll let you through. (laughs) All right. Thanks for joining us. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. This has been a Hannah Tree production.